Our scripture reading is found in John 9, 1 through 7, 18 through 22, and 35 through 41. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Verses 1 through 7. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. He must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back, able to see. Verses 18 through 22. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that, that they had been driven out, they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped He worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Well, that's one of the major stories in the Bible. Some of us may be pretty familiar with it, but even if we are familiar with it, sometimes we miss the real meaning in that story. This morning we hear this as a story of blindness and restored sight, but really the message is more about listening and understanding. I'll tell you a bit more right after I pray for the hearing of our message. Holy Spirit, enter our hearts in this hour of worship. Free our minds that we might draw nearer to the kingdom let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts combined be pleasing to you, O Lord. You are our rock and redeemer. So we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, on the surface, this may seem just like all the other stories of healing in the Bible, in the Gospels. And there are quite a few of them. But this is a miraculous story revealing Jesus' power and his bringing healing to one of the many sufferers 
lining the streets there in first century Israel. But it is so much more than just that. This is an invitation. God is inviting us to look at the world through God's eyes. That's what it means, I believe, to stand in the presence of God. It means to see God, yes, but also to see what God sees. To stand with God and see a world that vibrates with, with the presence of the holy. John gives us this glimpse of a new way to see in this story of healing. Well, it all takes place as a result of a question. Now, normally, when we read about Jesus interacting with both his disciples and, and the Jews, the Pharisees, everyone, really, Jesus would respond to questions with a story and a teaching, right, of some kind. But on this occasion, he responds with a healing miracle. You see, Jesus didn't simply take pity on this poor blind man. No, the disciples asked him a question about sin. And so Jesus wanted to move that discussion from, from sin and not just dwell on faith alone, but to focus on possibilities. He says that this man in this moment was given to show the presence and the power of God. And then he bends down and he gets a bit of dirt and he spits in it to make sort of a paste and then rubs it on the man's eyes. Well, you have to admit that's pretty odd, but we think, well, it's Jesus, so we'll go along with it. But you know, those who witnessed this thing wouldn't have been so receptive. Actually, they would have been appalled. Dirt is, well, dirt. And spit, well, that's worse than dirt. Add to these messy ingredients the fact that it all took place on the Sabbath, and it seems like Jesus was intent on upsetting people. It was like he wanted to poke them in the eye. He uses mundane elements. And by the way, that word mundane in Latin, mundanus, it means earthen. He uses these, these common substances to, to bring about the glory of God. Now why would Jesus do this? Well, surely God wants something a bit more fancy, more, more grand. Surely God wants extraordinary elements and spectacular people to prove the power of God, right? No. No, God doesn't want that at all. In fact, it shows God's power even more wonderfully when the simple and the plain, the everyday is used to bring glory to God. 
That's part of what Jesus was trying to tell them and us. But you see, these people in first century didn't want to hear it. And I fear there are many today that also turn a deaf ear, a blind eye to God's glory. But this is only the beginning. Right after the healing comes an argument about whether Jesus really healed or if it was some sort of David Copperfield illusion. The Jewish leaders went out of their way to prove that what took place right there in front of their eyes couldn't possibly be the truth. And so they challenged this blind man's parents. Then when that didn't work, they challenged the blind man himself who could now see. And that didn't work either. And so they drove him out of the synagogue. That was their response. This this poor innocent man who had received a miracle and could now see, they drove him out. They didn't like that a man such as this, a sinner is what they called him, could teach them anything about the glory of God. They should have read their own scriptures. God had a tendency to do this sort of thing all the time. They should have read from the Hebrew scriptures, 1 Samuel chapter 6, 16. And there they would, they would have read the story of David's anointing. You remember that, well, David was selected by God to be king of Israel, but God selected him while there was still another king on the throne. You remember that David was chosen while he was but a boy, tending sheep for his father Jesse and serving all his older brothers. Some of those older brothers were actually king material themselves. At least that's what Samuel, the Lord's representative, believed. But for some reason, God overlooked all those others and asked for David. And so when David came in from the barn, still smelling of sheep and red-faced from running in the wind, God told Samuel that this was it. He was the one. And Samuel dumped the oil and ran out of his town, afraid of the wrath of the current king. That was King Saul, by the way. And you know, David stood there, dripping with oil, looking at the surprised and disappointed faces of his brothers and his father, wondering What in God's name was next? But David didn't claim to know. He simply wondered. The only explanation that that we get for this this event is tucked away right in the middle of, of the story when God and Samuel are arguing over the leadership abilities of the older brothers. Here's what it says 
But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's important for us to remember. As we move about and live our lives, we often perceive things, well, the way we think they are, but God doesn't judge by outward appearances. God judges by what is on our heart. And over and over, God has given this message. Over and over, God has told us that the things we normally use to evaluate people are misdirected. Over and over, God has shown us that when we live life on the surface, then we miss what is really going on. But when we go deeply into matters of life and death, well, then we find what really does matter. Then we see what is really important. But we need to learn how to look in a new way. We need a type of faith vision. That means giving up what we think is best and surrendering to God's way of looking at the world and at ourselves. You know, it's one thing to incorrectly miss some of the things that God wants us to see, to be so blind that a snake would have bit us, but it's something else to choose to be afraid, to be blind. The Pharisees had everything they needed to learn to see as God sees, but they chose not to do so. They chose the eye of human judgment rather than the eye of God's grace. What's that old saying? There, there are none so blind as those who will not see. Well, we often think we see when in reality, we're actually blind to God's glory. That same glory that's all around us, we just cannot see it. Sometimes I think we're just like the Pharisees. We're more comfortable clinging to what we know to be true. And if we stick to the known reality, well, then we don't need to be concerned with thoughts and ideas that don't completely align themselves with our beliefs or the beliefs of others. On the surface, our gospel lesson today is about the Pharisees' acceptance of Jesus as Messiah because they couldn't believe that they, they couldn't believe that, so they rejected an innocent man. But the deeper lesson, and then asks them, how can you not know where he comes from? Look at what he's done. By your own admission, God doesn't listen to people who are sinners. And yet, here I am, a sinner, healed by Jesus. 
And so Jesus, this man claims, must be from God. But that's, that's the trouble. The Pharisees are unwilling to listen, refusing to change their minds. The Pharisees reject the witness of the healed man, driving him out of the synagogue and maintaining the false perception of being right for a little while longer. Well, you know, being right isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Most often when I think I'm right and I tell everyone that, that's just when I'm proven to be wrong. It happens to all of us. Perhaps it's better to leave it up to God in the first place. And so what happens in this story? This man, blind from birth, healed by Jesus, is rejected by the religious leaders of his world, and Christ searches him out. Christ comes to him in the story. Christ finds him and consoles him and tells him the truth. And so this rejected man, in the end, finds himself in the presence of Christ. Isn't that what we're all after? To be found in the presence of Christ. What we need in this world is just a little more love, a little more tolerance, a little more forgiveness, but you know, all those things are already present in God's grace. The same grace available to every one of us, no matter what we believe. And so let us pray. Loving God, our world often rejects us for one reason or another. Bring us into your presence. Be present in our lives and give our life meaning. Fill us with sight so that we may be the eyes of the unbelievers. Share with us the knowledge and reassurance of who Christ is and can be for all who might believe. Amen.